The following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Broken Helmet. Let's rock. Coming to you live on tape here on Sunday, August the 1st. It's about 11.15, so by the time I record this, upload it, it will definitely be August the 2nd before anybody actually gets to listen to it. Wrapped up the first weekend of NFL training camps, which was exciting. You're getting to see more and more media cover the camps, get to hear more news, get to hear all the stories, who's moving up on the depth charts, who's not. I mean, training camp, you know, it just gives you that tease for the regular season, but that's a great tease because up till now, we have had Jack Squat for a while now, uh, I guess since the draft and free agency, so any little bit is good, and it was a solid weekend, obviously the Olympics in full swing. I had an over-under of one week before they got canceled, and guess what? I was wrong. It was an over. Over was where the money was at. They are going to finish up these Olympics here in a week. All that talk last week, uh, you know, from Tokyo that the COVID numbers ticking up, they'd have no problem canceling the Olympics in a heartbeat, well, that was all garbaggio. Lying out there, ass. You was lying out your ass, weren't you? Um, so they kept going. Metal count right now, America. Yes. America leading with 60 medals in total. But our nemesis, China. Ooh, the bad guys. Bad guys are actually have more gold medals than us. 24 gold medals to our 20. But we have swept up with those silvers, 24. And that's why we, right now, are the medal leaders at 60. It's kind of funny because, you know, it, it, USA versus China, that's the way it's going to be for the foreseeable future in basically everything. And the two countries in the Summer Olympics are just leaps and bounds above everybody. The United States at 60, China at 51. After that, Japan and Australia coming in tied for third with 31 medals there. So, But the big number was Olympic viewers. And and that's about four. I think there's four people watching right now. Four people watching the Olympics across the globe. That is how little anybody gives a shit about the Olympics in 2020. Uh, 2021, I guess, right? It was the 2020 Olympics in 2021, thanks to COVID. Woo, COVID. Thank you. Screwing everything up. Cleaning calendars and what I'm seeing. But yes, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics is not being tuned in by anybody. I think that they said the opening ceremonies was the least watched in 33 years. Oof, 33 years. But I mean, again, what do you expect? Because there's so much to watch nowadays. There's so many sports to watch nowadays. And you throw in a little bit of the political environment and all the rest of it. And and look, you know, the Olympics used to be something that I remember watching, you know, around the TV occasionally with my family. You know, it used to be covered in Sports Illustrated and, you know, pre-internet when you relied on your Sports Illustrated and your sporting news and your local newspapers to get the news. These sports that you don't even hear about anymore were really big. Everybody followed the big four sports, right? Everybody watched baseball and basketball and and football, tennis. You want you followed golf, the the Olympics, Olympians, FloJo, baby, uh, Jackie Joyner, Kersey. But nowadays, there's just so much, right? you know. And not to mention, a lot of it has to do with youth eyeballs and they just do not gravitate to this not to mention it's really tough to follow i used i was making fun of the olympic triple triple cast at one point and they really kind of did the olympic triple cast here 
with NBC, the Olympic Network, and USA. And even with that, and trying to leverage the Peacock app, which supposedly gives you the menu of every... I, I still can't. I, I have no clue what's going on. You just turn it on, and you see what the hell's on, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, beach volleyball, great. Okay. Fencing, fantastic. I, I guess I'll watch some fencing. And then you watch a, you know, doubles, uh, doubles tennis, and it's Australia versus Australia, and you're what? It's... Australia versus who gives a shit about this match anyway so uh, the weekend was filled with all the camps upcoming uh, Olympics that nobody watched and now we got a full week the first full week of camp which is going to be great and will give plenty of fodder for podcasts and major broadcast media alike so to sum up what we saw this weekend the, on Saturday, I turned on the TV as I'm flipping around trying to find something entertaining to watch on the Olympics, and they had a huge broadcast on ABC. It was ABC, obviously. Disney owns ESPN, so it was their NFL Live pro- program. And it was NFL Live back together at training camps and basically did a roundtable with... Uh, uh, reporters at all the different camps going back and forth. And, you know, I, I think I saw Ed Werder, obviously down in Texas, and San, uh, Palantonio. Uh, he was covering the Jets camp, I think. But regardless, they were just talking. Then in, in studio, I think it was Marcus Spears, a uh, female host. I don't remember her name. And who else was doing the uh, Spears and somebody else? I don't know, but it was the whole ESPN cast of characters. But it was good to actually have something sit to put on in the background and listen to as they went from camp to camp. Not a whole lot getting, you know, news getting broke. It was just analysis. Like I said, it's the initial appetizer of NFL football. But it was good to watch, and, uh, you know, it, it was a positive media production there because for any football um, eyes, you know, fans, it gave you something to watch. But remember, this is camp. And the only thing that camps are good for is one thing, and that is injuries. That's it. It's just injuries. Uh, you know, you can try to follow the third and fourth string battle for, I don't know, a wide receiver, lineman, secondary, who's going to make the team. Uh, you know, get feel free to turn on the Cowboys on uh, the HBO Hard Knocks again and follow the, you know, the third, fourth stringers, like I was saying. However, the preseason is really only good for injuries and speaking of that we get our first big injury of the preseason as i mean there was a couple uh the giants offensive lineman shane uh, lemieux he went down with a knee injury they think he avoided the acl um i'm trying to think there there was somebody else that went down but the big one of the weekend was carson wentz so carson wentz uh, breaks a foot Something to that degree, they don't even know. It, it's a foot injury, pulled him out. He went to go see a foot specialist. And right now, I guess the approach is going to be rest. He is not going to go for foot surgery. He is going to go for rest initially and see what that does. However, if you have ever paid attention to any sports injury where they prescribe rest, it always ends up being bad news. Rest never does anything, uh, you know, especially with something like a foot. You know, foots always are like Liz Frank. It's never good. So prescribing rest to a foot, I don't think, is going to do a whole hell of a lot. So now they're stuck. And let us, for argument's sake, say the foot is a long-term injury. Uh, let's say at least half the season, if not longer. You are stuck with literally nobody at quarterback. Uh, they signed somebody, I forgot his name, but I mean, they have nobody at quarterback in Indianapolis, which is why they went out and got Wentz after Rivers retired last year. So now what do you do? Now, obviously, you're going to talk about bringing other people in, right? And here we go. Here we go. Because one of the names floating around out there is none other than the great Nick Foles. And let me tell you... (laughs) I can't think of anything better than Nick Foles getting traded to the Indianapolis Colts because 
this I, I mean the two of them should just I don't even know if they have wives, but they should just divorce their wives and then marry each other. Because Carson Wentz and Nick Foles are just gonna follow each other till the end of time. It's never gonna end. These fucking guys have been in each other's way. Almost their entire well, not Nick Foles, right? Nick Foles had been around a lot longer because Foles obviously was in was in Philadelphia, and then he went to the Rand, back to Philadelphia, etc. Or and then went to Kansas City, right? And then he was going to retire. Then he went to Philly. Then he won the championship after Wentz went down. Point being is that since Wentz has come into the league, Foles and him have been attached at the hip, and here we are now with yet another Wentz injury and another situation that is throwing Foles' name into the mix to come get traded, come from Chicago out to Indianapolis and take over while Wentz is injured. And for Wentz, hey, you got to feel bad to a certain extent because some people are just injury prone. Wentz's weird things is it was originally his back, then it was something else, now it's this, now it's that, now it's a foot. You know, I mean, if it was continual back issues, you'd say, ah, shit, you know, I mean, he's just got a bad back, it went on him, and he's just never going to shake it no matter how hard, he try, how hard he tries. However, I, I mean, it's a foot. What, I, there's no relation to his previous injuries in the foot. It just happened. It's just dumb fucking luck. And unfortunately for Wentz, it happened to him week one of training camp, and now he's going to have to sit and observe whether or not the Colts make a play for another quarterback. And if that play is Nick Foles, I'll tell you what, that is <laughs> something else. Otherwise, the other big story of the weekend is just COVID numbers because they are just ticking up, ticking up by the minute, by the hour. It is crazy the amount of people that are testing positive. But that this is the reality that really exists around us right now. We don't see it. Because once people are vaccinated, they're not getting tested. Once the vaccinations came in, you knew that numbers in Gen Pop were going to go down. Because Gen Pop ain't getting tested if they got a runny nose anymore. The NFL players are getting tested. They're going to get tested all the time. The players, the sideline uh, sideline personnel, tier one, I mean, they're just going to test everybody. And like you see now, people are going to test positive. Because unlike last year, when everybody was staying at home, we were in our bubbles, wearing masks, nobody was seeing each other, vaccines didn't exist, there obviously was, I mean, there was obviously, there is obviously a distinct difference in the environment for the NFL in 2020 and the one that exists in 2021. And the player exposure to other people this year compared to last year is astronomical. And as a result, you're just going to see people test positive. You're going to see them test positive, vaccinated or not vaccinated. Because what this is showing everybody is that the vaccine protects you from getting seriously ill. If it has long-term effects, we don't know yet. (laughs) Crossing our fingers. We're all fucking guinea pigs. But um, it doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. The vaccine is a worst-case scenario experimental drug, is what it is. And so you're just seeing people test positive, whether or not they're vaccinated or not. Now, the NFL has all these the different stipulations. If, if you are positive, you don't need to... If you're vaccinated and test positive, you don't need to isolate. If you are not vaccinated and test positive, you have to isolate. I think 10... Days is what they are requiring people to be removed from practice. Um, You know, Lamar Jackson, he just tested positive a second time. I don't know what necessarily that means. I mean, you have an, talking about quarterbacks, go to Minneapolis where the rookie quarterback, Kellen Mond, uh, tested positive for COVID. And that knocked out Kirk Cousins and backup Nate Stanley because they were both considered close contacts. So there you go. You have one. You have obviously the quarterback is is the one position which they have talked about since last year being of high risk because of the quarterback meetings. The fact that everybody is together in these close rooms makes all the quarterbacks a close contact. So if one such as Kellen Mond tests positive, then everybody else gets knocked out. 
which is why now you hear about the quarterback, the isolated quarterback in reserve uh, idea being thrown about just in case something goes crazy such as this. Now, this they were interviewing uh, Coach, and he had said, obviously, this is, would be really screwy if this was before a game. Because if this was before a game, then these guys would be out. And what would you have? To, we'd have to go obviously to the isolated backup quarterback. And how? How much? I mean, that would be almost an auto loss. That would be almost an auto loss if you had to go to a isolated backup quarterback in immediate need because everybody tested positive. But that's what Zimmer was alluding to when he spoke about the quarterback room, obviously, testing positive, was that this is just a reality and something that you're going to have to watch. Time goes on. And, you know, this, remember, the Raiders last year dealt with this similarly with their linemen because a couple linemen popped and then that shut down the entire line. (laughs) They got those guys on the field, though, rather quickly, which was obviously head-scratching, but they did it. Um, so the COVID numbers this weekend, other than the Wentz thing, was the, were the two things that I thought were most notable. Um, there was other stories, however, and the one that we had referred to before is the Xavier Howard issue. Now, this story continues to go on, and it is so beyond stupid. I mean, hey, uh, Steve Carell. It's about to get all stupid up in here! Thanks, because... Howard signed a new deal in 2019. 2019. That was two seasons ago. He has four years left on it. Four years left. And now he's bitching and moaning because the, you know somebody else on the team in his position is making more money than him. While he led the league in interceptions, all pro, et cetera, et cetera. Sorry. That's just the fucking way it works. That's the way life works. If you redo this contract, if you redo the Xavier Howard contract, then contracts on a whole are null and void. You shouldn't even have them if you redo this contract. I thought it was bad when the rookie running backs were trying to redo their deals after three years. But I kind of understood it because the life expectancy, well, not life expectancy, but the career expectancy of a running back really is 28. You enter the league at 22, you have about six good years. And what the Le'Veon Bell situation showed was that if you did play out your contract and do the franchise years at the end, that ultimately you're going to get shafted. And you'll make money, but you'll never collect on the big contract. You'll never get it. And Le'Veon Bell has fought tooth and nail trying to get that other contract. He got a little bit of money from the Jets, but it was too late. The whole, whole system had broke down. And I got to give a shout out to Turk, uh, who, had, who had said, you know, Rich, the one thing that I could say critically about the pod is that your sound effects are a little loud. And I will say that that the Millennium Falcon breakdown sound is so loud that it blows my ears out. But anyway, I will have to turn, turn tune that down just a little bit. Just a little bit, I think. Um, anyway, Le'Veon Bell broke down as soon as he signed that deal with the Jets. He has not been the same since. Floated around, never put up numbers again. And I thought it was outrageous when running backs tried to do the th- three-year deal, but because of Bell's situation, I understood it. This this is not relevant at all. It's not applicable at all to the Le'Veon Bell situation or the the rookie running backs. Xavier Howard signed a deal and he doesn't like it. He played better than what it was or what more likely is the proper analysis is that other people just got paid more because that's the nature of the NFL contract is that people in positions get paid more year after year because... That's just the way it goes. It's like the stock market, baby. It only goes up and up and up and up and up. By the way, stock market today, story came out that you you want to talk about things just getting too big, too big to fail. The latest was Square. 
Square, obviously owned by, well, started up by Jack Dorsey, right? The Twitter founder. They turn around and they bought an, uh, it was an Australian company. It was a company called Afterpay. And they bought Afterpay for $29 million. $29 million. Can you believe that? 20, oh, 29, sorry, $29 billion. Oh, $29 billion. All stock. All stock offer for Afterpay. Uh, Afterpay. And so, I mean, just... More money is getting generated out of tech and the stock market than anybody ever thought could be. And it's just any new tech company that starts is worth a billion dollars as soon as it's made. Like, you want to make a lot of money out there? This is what I'm telling you to do. Go talk to, you know, like four kids who are like 17 to 24. Find one of them that can write program, start up an app, and then just sell it. And you'll sell it for a billion dollars. That's the way it goes. And NFL contracts are the same. Uh, this year, it's worth $10 million. Next year, it's worth $15 million. It doesn't matter. Every year, somebody makes more than the last guy. And Xavier Howard falls in this category. And now he's really pissed because somebody else on his team is making more money than he is. Same position. But it's regardless. it does not matter. If you redo this contract, then contracts are null and void. That is the bottom line. So I, I don't know what the Dolphins will ultimately do. I know that they said that there are teams that have contacted them for to trade. Maybe. Again, it doesn't, you know, the Dolphins signed him because they want him part of this team. Now, I guess they'll ultimately have to trade him if he just simply doesn't play. Because if he's not going to play and they continue to find him and he's not going to hit the field, I mean, at that point, who cares, right? At that point, there's no point in, in trying to keep him here. He just doesn't want to be here. He's going to sit out until we trade him. So we might as well just trade him to somebody else. But if that team turns around and then they redo his contract, well, uh, you know, it's the same deal. It's the same deal. It means that a contract means nothing. And everybody should just do one-year deals. Everybody should be a free agent after that. And then the team should just reload every single year if you're going to redo a contract that was done after two years. You know, I mean, I mean, he's 28 years old. He just signed the new... I can't. It's just... It's obviously makes me very confused. But anyway, the Xavier Howard story continues to push on. In signing, you want to talk about money. Here's some money that was well-deserved. Nick Chubb, three years, $36 million, $20 million guaranteed. Congratulations to Nick Chubb. Job well done. As a Giant fan, I will say that I wanted him on our team. He was available in the second round had we not drafted Barkley in the first round. But anyway, that was if ands, or buts, candies, and nuts, and the Giants still sucks. But... Chubb with his Cleveland, he has performed phenomenally um, after you know coming from Georgia and just produced the way that they thought, and he got paid as a result. So he was in his fourth year. They redo his contract. They give him the three-year extension. Speaking of the Giants and Saquon, I don't know where that leaves him, right? Because there's going to be the going rate. Three years, $36 million and $20 million guaranteed. Saquon has a rookie season, a broken-up second season, and no third season to speak of. So he's not going to start this year. By all intents and purposes, it, it, he's not playing to begin this year. So he's going to have to ramp up, I guess, you know, week two, week three, whenever he can get there. I mean, if he's ever 100% in the beginning of the year, perform, and then what? He's going to he's going to go to the contract table, and the Giants are going to point to Nick Chubb's contract. They're going to be like, all right, well, he signed a three-year, $36 million, $20 million guaranteed. Um, you know, how about something along those lines? And he's going to say, no, no, that's not going to happen. I want more. Um, it'll be interesting. But anyway, Nick Chubb, uh, solid performance, solid performer, is done real well and got paid as a result of it. Speaking of signings, this one is a blast from the past. Justin Houston. Remember that guy? Yeah. 32 years old now, just signed with the Ravens. 
And if the name, you, you know, if you follow the NFL, you obviously know who he is. If you kind of don't, then you're kind of like, oh, I don't know, 32 years old, Justin Houston, I kind of remember him. He played for Indianapolis the past couple of years, had a couple of sacks here and there. Yeah, well, anyway, in 2014, he didn't have a couple of sacks. He had 200, <laughs> he had 22 sacks in 2014. I almost said 200. That would have been a lot. But 22 sacks in 2014. And as a result of that performance, Houston inked a six-year, $101 million deal that included $52.5 million in guarantees. Houston's signing bonus at the time, and this was in uh, whatever he, he signed this deal in 2015. Houston's signing bonus at the time was $20.5 million, and his contract included $32.5 million of fully guaranteed cash. And that ultimately resulted in the $52.5 million in guarantees. That contract, my friend, was the richest deal in Chiefs history and the largest for any linebacker at the time. I don't know if it's been broken. I, I didn't do the research, but the point being is that Justin Houston put up 22 sacks in 2014 and clocked the fuck in as a result and broke records with his signing bonus. After that signing, after that 22 sack year, he had double digit sacks once. Once. Not twice. Once. Double digit sacks once after that. Can you believe it? And now you want to know why people don't, while teams don't want to sign these mega deals after a, a player has a crazy statistical season. It's because of things like that. It's the Joe Flacco syndrome, or in this case, the Justin Houston syndrome, right? So congrats to Justin Houston for getting himself uh, another deal with the Ravens. That will obviously help their defense continue. Ravens defense is always a super strong squad. So, you know, additions like this will never hurt. It'll be interesting to see what he's got left, I think, in the... um, the one year, like I said, that he got double-digit sacks was actually with Indianapolis. I don't think it was last year. I think it was the year before he had 11. So it's not like he can't produce. He can still give you a little something. Um, obviously not what he did back in the day, but every little bit helps, right? So Justin Houston going to the Ravens, helping out the defensive side of the ball there. Then let's go to Pro Football Talk, PFT and Mike Florio, as I love to beat up on this guy only because while he started off really fantastic and his sight was top-notch, I just think this guy has become such a walking douche. And he wrote a story today related to the NHL betting scandal that has emerged. If you have not heard about the NHL betting scandal, a player by the name of Evander Kane, I believe he currently plays for the Sharks, was accused of betting on his own team, a la Pete Rose, right? Although, in this time, this guy had was playing in the game, so he had a kind of a big effect on the games. If this was true, that is. So, this news breaks out. And Florio, of course, writes the following. The NFL needs to be paying attention, very close attention. Uh, Let me start over. And the NFL needs to be paying very close attention, like it did during the Tim Donaghy scandal, which rocked the NBA. The NFL has been lucky to not have its own betting scandal. Unless the NFL remains vigilant and diligent, it's inevitable. What? What? It's it's inevitable. It's about to get all stupid up in here. Are you fucking retarded? That's exactly what he is. Uh, come on. Let's let's be honest here. To say that it's inevitable that the NFL is going to have a betting scandal because the NHL had one, possibly now, and the NBA had one way back in the day with a referee. Right. I mean. Up until the Donaghy thing happened, I mean, the college basketball scandals were like the biggest thing that hit, and then the Rose. Like, that was it. Betting has been going on forever. Forever. 
It has never gone away. It has always been present. Is it bigger now than it was before? Maybe, I guess. But you're talking about all these public sites that have fostered the betting environment. The thing about these public sites is that you can't use credit in order to gamble on these sites. You can't. You can't take out credit. You want credit, you're going to go to a bookie. And that form of gambling has existed for eons. It has never stopped. So there's nothing now to insinuate that the NFL is going to have definitely going to have a betting scandal if they're not diligent and what is it? It's diligent and vigilant. What if they're not vigilant and diligent when they already had one anyway? What what would have prevented that? Right? I, I mean, there's nothing. It, it the current gambling environment does not ramp up the risk related to sports gambling controversy. It doesn't. It just doesn't. It it, it the current environment obviously is spread betting out to a wider array of people. But again, you get in trouble when you take out credit and when you're dealing with black market gambling, a la bookies, and that has been around forever. But anyway, of course, Florio wants to say this. And now let's go to the NHL issue itself. And this is how this whole thing started out, right? Because this started because the wife of the Sharks forward Evander Kane went on Instagram or Twitter or something something, and went off, right? And she alleges that he bet on his own team's games and that he intentionally tried to lose in order, obviously, to win. And so it starts with Anna Kane. That's her name. She writes on whatever. I'm just going to say social media, whatever it might be. How does the NHL let a compulsive gambling addict still play when he's obviously throwing games to win money? Hmm, maybe someone needs to address this. She also said, Can someone ask Gary Bettman how they let a player gamble on his own games? Bet and win with bookies on his own games? Boom. Did you hear it? Did you hear it right there? Bookies. There goes Florio's entire argument right there. She says it herself. Bet and win with bookies on his own games. The current environment is not getting people to bet with bookies. You can't do it. Now, if they really get a taste for it and they're good and they go out and they seek a bookie, I, I guess, maybe, you know. But I, they're not correlated. They're just not. So, anyway, she goes off. The other, the other part of this that is head-scratching is... I saw there was a on ESPN they had some stats and one of the Vegas casino had sued him because he owed a whole bunch of money and I you mean to tell me that this got to the level it did and until the wife went and screamed and pissed and moaned on Instagram or Twitter that nobody else around the league knew about it I'm sorry they knew about it they knew about it. There's no way that they didn't know about it. This stuff all gets filtered up to the league, the higher-ups in the league. It just does. They have networks that, I mean, the NFL, for crying out loud, is doing a pseudo-police investigation of Deshaun Watson. And people are cooperating with it. I, they have avenues that lead them to information that the general public just doesn't know. And so if Vander Kane's wife, Anna, wants to scream and shout on Instagram, unfortunately, Anna, the NHL already knows about this. And if nothing has been done about it, then they have obviously have assessed it to be a low risk. At least that's my read on it. If they didn't, I mean, shame on the NFL. <laughs> on the NHL for being caught with their pants down like that. But I, I would highly doubt it. And in regard to pro football talk, I the NFL is fine. They are not at risk of a major 
gambling controversy. And if they are at risk of it, it has nothing to do with the NHL. And this story is not relatable at all. But obviously, Florio likes to you know pound his chest, and so he wanted to take a crazy NHL gambling story and equate it to the NFL and said this is the risk that the NFL has uh, on their hands thanks to the you know explosion of gambling. So be it. But you want to talk about <laughs> another controversy that I found more interesting, Julio Jones and his little uh, investment in the weed industry. Uh, gen, gen, how am I going to say? Gentix? I guess Gentix is how it is pronounced. Gentix is a weed company of some sort. I guess they harvest, they sell, I think, medical. Regardless, Julio and Roddy White uh, are either investors or at least Julio is. Now, Gentix filed a suit last week accusing Julio and his former teammate Roddy White, so I guess White is involved, and others. So there's more, but Julio and Roddy White are the two NFL players that are named. Uh, involvement in diverting cannabis products from otherwise legal cultivation and distribution operations to black market sales. Uh, I guess Jones and White invested in Gentix through White's company called SLW Holdings. SSWW to the VV. That not SWV. SLW. Uh, and so they turned around and sued Julio. Now, th- this is interesting to me because this is something that has a little bit of teeth, right? So if Gentix is filing a suit, you would imagine that they have something. Now, this is probably going to be another civil suit and not a criminal suit because nobody likes the criminal suits. They like the civil suits because that's how you get paid, bitch. So they're filing suit, but... If this gets diverted from legal cannabis operations to black market sales, that's a like a big no-no, right? And not only is it a big no-no, that's something that if the police obviously get word of, which they probably have now through the, this public suit, I imagine that they would probably try to do their own criminal investigation. Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they will. I'm not sure. But you know, you compare this to the pro football uh, gambling risk that's out there. Uh, I don't care about the pro football gambling risk, but I would pay a little bit more attention to this weed story, especially since Julio just just landed out in Tennessee. Because if this ends up being criminal, then this would be very similar to the Deshaun Watson situation, and this could land him on the commissioner's exempt list. Again, it hasn't yet because I, I, if I remember right that the Gentix suit is civil. So right now, okay. Down the road, not too sure. We'll have to follow that. And that is why I was a little inter- more interested in this story because of the Julio factor. That would be a huge loss for the Titans if they were to lose Julio due to some kind of commissioner's exempt situation. However, a little little early, little early for that. Um, you know, obviously we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But it was the story that broke last week and then this this lawsuit came about and so it caught my eye. And this brings me to Buffalo, where a story was written by Tom Precocious of the Buffalo News. Tommy P, Tommy P, let's call him. So Tommy P of the Buffalo News writes that Peculio Sports and Entertainment has made a $1.5 billion proposal for a new Bill Stadium and renovation costs for the arena in which the Buffalo Sabres play hockey. Yep, the Buffalo Sabres, they're still in Buffalo, playing hockey, and they want renovations to their arena plus a new Bill Stadium for $1.5 billion. Per the report, the proposal asks for the full cost of the new Bill Stadium to be covered by public funds. That's right. Public funds. 
This is a story that will never get old. And every time it is told, it is as bullshit as the last time it was told. Today's day and age should not see any public funds ever go to a stadium owned by a billionaire. I am sorry. There is no argument you could possibly make that justifies the public financing any fucking stadium in the United States. The television contracts are too rich. The revenue is too much. The owners are too loaded for the measly taxpayers to pay for shit. You want a stadium, you pay for it. That's the deal. But obviously, as you can see here, in Buffalo, nope. They think that the town should pay for it. Or the city, or the state, or whatever. And if they don't, I am sure that they're going to dangle the old moveroo move to out in front. The moveroo move. That's a lot of moves in one word. But they will dangle, we're getting out of Dodge, a la the Mayflower, a la the Colts, Baltimore to Indianapolis, because why not? If you're not going to build us a new fucking stadium, somebody will, and we're going to go there because <laughs> we're really just blackmailing you and or extorting you, and it works. We get a new stadium, you get shit, but for me, it's a good business move. I have the trump card, right? I have the team. I have the goods. So you want my goods, you're going to pay me. That's what it's become. Now, not everybody does it, right? Not everybody does it. You can look at the Giants. Giants completely funded their whole stadium. Well, hold on. I shouldn't say that. They funded a majority of the stadium, and they used the PSLs to do the rest, right? Which is a bunch of garbage. However, if you want to use PSLs, that's one thing. You want to use public money through a la the Marlins, and just float it on taxes, that's something altogether different, right? But let's look at a, um, a Gillette Stadium. They, they are 100% funded uh, by Kraft. I don't know if they have PSLs there. I don't know if they do. Um, the new uh, the n- new California Arena, I think, is 100% fully owned and funded by the owner themselves. Um I'm trying to think if there are other ones. But, I mean, those are just a couple of examples, right? StubHub Center, that's the name of it, right? The one out in California. Um, it's MetLife, StubHub, Gillette. Uh, I think the uh, 49ers uh, had a lot of private money. But the point being here is that there is no reason for towns and cities to pay for new arenas. And let's go down to Carolina, where David Tepper said, and and I found this looking up a little bit of this Buffalo Bills story. I came across this, and I hadn't even heard this, right? So David Tepper in early June of 2021, this year, said that he would not, would not build the team a new stadium without government assistance. You are a stupid asshole. That's exactly what he is. I, David Pet Hepper is worth fourteen point five billion dollars. No, I shit you not, Rock. He is worth fourteen point five billion. Give me a hell yeah! Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's a lot of Coors Lights, buddy. billion, and this guy is not going to build a new stadium for the team without government assistance. Here is what he told reporters. I'm not building a stadium alone. The community's going to have to want it. Really? I don't know what that is. It's kind of like a Grover, Groucho, uh, that's David Pepper. Yeah, he he said the community's going to have to want it. Want it? The Panthers owner also added that he wasn't going to force a stadium on anyone. But he does want a new stadium with a retractable roof to house the Panthers. 
his recently purchased MLS team and host larger events, potentially even a Super Bowl. Right? There you go. So you build me a new stadium. And then with that, I'm going to have my Panthers play there, my MLS team play there, and then eh, maybe I'll host the Super Bowl too. Right? But it's in your best interest to pay for it. Because then we'll stay here. And your town will get to watch football games live. And, and that is all the while worth it. What's funny about the Tepper story is that Bank of America Stadium, I guess it's one of the oldest in the NFL. It was built in 94. But, I mean, 94 is young. <laughs> 94 is not an, an old stadium. I mean, compared to where some of the, you know, MetLife, uh, MetLife replaced uh, Giant Stadium, which was super old. And these other stadiums that have been replaced have been really super old, right? The, the Silver Dome replaced by Ford Field. Again, the difference between like a 94 stadium and a stadium in the 70s is leaps and bounds. Additionally, that Bank of America stadium that was built in 94, right, it just underwent numerous renovations since. I think they did renovations from like 2014 to 2017. And those cost Charlotte taxpayers $87.5 million. The team originally was asking for $250 million and didn't get it. Two hundred and fifty million. They got eighty-seven and a half million, and that was literally four years ago, twenty seventeen, three seasons ago, and now Tepper wants an entire new stadium. So Charlotte just paid almost a hundred mil in twenty seventeen, and now he just wants to throw it all in the trash and start over. Where takes for nothing. Now, one of Tepper's arguments in this whole thing was that he said that the building might collapse. His quote, quote unquote, at some point that building will fall down. Huh? What what the fuck are you talking about? That that stadium's gonna fall down. Because point to the other stadium in American history that collapsed. Point to it. The Oakland A's stadium went through a, a an earthquake for crying out loud. But this stadium's going to collapse, right? This stadium's going to collapse. Now, going back to Charlotte and talking about other Panther-related industry things, or industry building items, there was a study done on the new Carolina Panthers headquarters, and this is coming from the John Locke Foundation. That's where I pulled this from. Economic impact study of the new Carolina Panthers headquarters projected it would create 5,715 jobs and have an economic impact of $3.8 billion over 15 years. A South Carolina state senator hired an economist, economist to evaluate that study. The economist found the economic impact to be overstated by 2 Point seven billion dollars, two point seven billion, and estimated it would create only two hundred and eight jobs, fifty seven hundred to two hundred, off by fifty five hundred jobs, and overstated by two point seven billion dollars, and ultimately. That meant that it would cost the state over half a million dollars per job. So there you go, guys. There you go. Every time one of these teams asks for money... Game over, man. It's game over. You're losing. You're losing. You want to go to a different study? This one's more dated. Now, that John Locke was uh, study that I just referenced was, I think it was 2020, was when that was done. This is a 1997 study. This study was titled Sports, Jobs, and Taxes. Uh, are new stadiums worth the cost? Well, the answer is no. This study said, used the then example of the Baltimore Orioles. The team had received $200 million in taxpayer funding estimating at costing citizens $14 million per year. 
In the first five years of existence, the actual economic impact of the stadium was valued at $3 million per year from the construction, resulting in a net loss for the city. Net loss. Everything built by the people loses money for the people. That is a fact, Jack. That's a fact, Jack. Stripes. Great drop. I gotta get that in there. I gotta, I gotta redo a bunch of these, uh, bunch of these drops and get some, get some new ones. Even though there'll be old ones because right, Stripe was uh, eighty-two, I think. Fantastic movie. But that's a fact, Jack. Uh, anytime you build something for a professional sports team, you are going to lose. That is just the case. And if you want to go around and look at other ones, I mean, here I found another article. This was a sports casting. This is dated uh, March 30th, 2021. And these are 15 cities where tax dollars paid for billion-dollar stadiums, right? Let's go. Here we go. Atlanta Braves, SunTrust Park, $300 million. Brooklyn, New York, the Barclays Center. Yes, the Barclays Center cost $305 million. Million. That's what it cost to get the New Jersey Nets, the, the New Jersey fucking Nets that had never won shit to Brooklyn. It cost the taxpayers $305 million. And what do you do? You build a super team that all gets injured and then loses to Giannis. Superb. Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Penguins. PPG Paints Arena. $311 million. That's what that cost them. Glendale, Arizona. The University of Phoenix Stadium. Yes, the University of Phoenix. Not really a university. Maybe in Phoenix? I'm not sure. Glendale, Arizona, so it's not in Phoenix. Not a university. Not in Phoenix. Cost the taxpayers $312 million. Yep. There we go. New Orleans. New Orleans Mercedes-Benz Superdome, $321 million. How? Renovations. Old stadium, renovations. $321 million for a renovated stadium in New Orleans. And now they have no quarterback and their team's probably going to suck. Atlanta. Oh, <laughs> believe it, baby. Atlanta. You say, hold on, Atlanta? Yes, two, two stadiums. Phillips Arena, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. $343 million. That's for the Hawks and the Falcons. Right? The Falcons? Yes, the Falcons. The public is paying $200 million for the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. City Lab reports that the cost might be more like $600 million. The Atlanta Falcons are owned by Arthur fucking blank. Arthur blank. That guy is a disgrace to the uniform. Using public funds. Chicago, Soldier Field, they did all the up the renovations, all the rest of it, $387 million. Public money paid for that construction. Uh, Orlando, the Orlando Magic, who haven't done dick since uh, Big Shaq left, $430 million. Well-deserved for the Orlando Magic. They really pack them in. Kansas City, Missouri, Arrowhead Stadium, $475 million for their renovations. Miami, oh, here we go. Miami, this one is the best. $488 million for Marlins Park. The Miami Marlins. Now, if you remember this story, this story is awesome because this was the old ownership pleaded poverty, pleaded poverty. They said, we are not making any money. We are losing money hand over fist. And boom goes the dynamite. And Miami gave them the money. They put it up to vote or whatever, and they pushed it through. They put it on the taxpayers, and the taxpayers picked that shit up. And then Yahoo leaked information, if I remember the story right. And Yahoo was like, oh, yeah, here's the Marlins. They make money every single year. (laughs) They make money every single year. Your organization's terrible. Oh, they still are. And then they sold it to Jeter. So then they turned around, uh, what, David Sampson and uh, I forget who the owner was. What, whatever it was. Sampson was the, 
He was the son-in-law. He was also the GM, I think. Anyway, and then they sold it to Jeter and just made out. And it's all on the taxpayer's dime. And that arena is in the middle of nowhere. Stinks. The team stinks. Nobody goes to it. $488 million for a baseball team in Miami. Indianapolis, $620 million for Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Colts. Oh, man, it just doesn't get any better. Las Vegas, here you go. The Raiders, who are flat broke, I mean flat broke, right? Which, I mean, explains all of their moves. They end up leaving Oakland because Las Vegas just bills them an entire stadium. $750 million laying on the taxpayer's shoulders. $750 million. Come to Vegas. We'll give you $750 million to build yourself a new stadium. Unbelievable. For the Raiders, who then turn around and give $100 million to John Gruden, who then produces three terrible seasons of football. What I mean, I always... Let's see, John Gruden... What are what is his Las Vegas record? Let's see what is Gruden now. They gave him a hundred million over ten years. The city of Vegas gave seven hundred and fifty million to the Raiders, and now the Raiders. Uh, where is his coaching record? Under Gruden, have been four and twelve, seven and nine, eight and eight. For a total of 19 and 29. Winning record, uh, a percentage of 396. 396. Oh, 396 is worth $750 million of public funds. Washington, D.C., the Washington Nationals, where there was. Nothing, nothing but gunfire outside the stadium. Doc! Johnny! Drop the Cacker Jacks! Run! Forget Billy, he's a goner. He's too close to first base. That's where the guns are. We gotta get out of here. Oh, well, that stadium, uh, that's going to cost the taxpayers $843 million. $843 for Gunshot Stadium. Minneapolis, $854 million on the taxpayer's shoulders. Uh, That is for two stadiums, Target Field and U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, the public ponied up 356 for Target Field, 498 for U.S. Bank Stadium. And then number one, if you can believe this shit, the Cowboys and the Rangers both got public funds to the tune of $944 million. They actually paid $444 million for the Cowboys' AT&T Stadium. The rest, I guess, came from Jerry Jones, but not all of it. Jerry was more than willing to take $444 million from the public. That is so crazy to me. I mean, all this exercise has shown is that the times in which we live are so insanely crazy insanely crazy that it is it's really beyond comprehension you know the the rest of gen pop right now is stuck in the muck dealing with covid and political fighting and the whole nine and meanwhile, billionaires are getting hundreds of millions of dollars thrown to them in order to keep their teams that play 18 games, 17 games a season, half of which are at home. So they play a total of eight home games. And the public is going to throw hundreds of millions of dollars at them to watch eight home games. 
And granted, I just talked about some baseball and all the rest of it, but I'm just talking about football here. So now Buffalo is the newest team to cozy up to the public and beg for money. And no offense, I know Buffalo loves their football, but you couldn't be more stupid if you end up paying that team any amount of money. Let them you know, build their own stadium or let them walk and go somewhere else. Because I, you know, you gotta put your foot down somewhere. Somebody has got to do something. Hopefully, it'll be Buffalo. But I know that uh, <laughs> that's not going to end up happening. They're going to give them money, and I'm gonna look like a idiot. But anyway, so that was the other story. That one just broke. I, I don't know. I read it today, and then I had to go and look at some of these other uh, teams that had paid because it's just so in- insane to me how much the public throws money at these professional stadiums for teams that just, they could do it on their own, you know. Enough is enough already with the public stadiums. There's no need for it. Billionaires own the teams. Billionaires can build the stadiums. Period. Enjoy your Mondays. I will be back again. Talk more NFL. Hopefully no more stadiums. Peace. Out of 5,000.